0: The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. Today I want to dive into an interesting story in our Bibles that's in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at a character that we all know and we all love. His name is David. And we're going to look at a life, uh, or time of him, his, in his life before he was King David. And uh, we're going to see just kind of what the Lord did in his life. We're looking at David when he was in a place called Ziklag. And uh, again, I think the Lord has something special for us today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we're going to read this story. Then we're going to pray. And we're going to break it down. I really feel today that God is going to um, speak life into people. What the world, what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to get us confused, He wants to get us off track, but the word of God and God himself wants to breathe life into us. So today, as we read the word, I'm believing there's going to be a voice within my voice that's going to speak to where you are. I don't know everybody here today, but God does. He knows what you need. He knows the desires of your heart, and he knows when you leave this place, you're going to be different and changed to do the next step that God has for you. Amen. Uh, I feel like a lot of times in our life, we're looking for God to give us the whole the whole plan, the whole blueprint. I'm praying today for the next step in our lives, that God is going to direct my next step. And some of you in here, you have questions about your life, questions about jobs, questions about relationships, questions about raising your kids. We're believing today God is going to give you some insight, and He's going to help us, right? So let's jump into this. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. This is from the ESV. It says this, Now when David and his men came to Ziklag, On the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against Negob and against Ziklag. They had overcome uh, Ziklag, and they had burned it with fire. Verse 2, And taking captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, they killed no one, but they carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, their wives and their sons and their daughters all taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him, they raised their voices and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive. I butchered this last service. I'm not going to say her name. And Abigail, he got two wives. We ain't going to talk about that. Pastor Stephen will preach on that next week. (laughs) He took them captive. Verse 6, and David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and his daughters. Let's pray for a second. Lord, today we love you. God, we thank you that there's no place that we would rather be than in your house. Worshiping you, praising you. God, today we realize that uh, you've got something for us. Lord, you have a word for us. And I pray today that it would hit its mark. God, that the word would not return void. God, you have something specific you want every person to do with their lives and in the season of life that they're in. God, I pray that you would just continue to give us insight. God, help us be the people that you want us to be. God, this community needs you, so therefore this community needs us. Lord, so help us be inspired by you. Help us carry the gospel and your message all over this place. Help us walk in restoration. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Quick question this morning. How many people in here, you've ever been in an interesting, awkward situation? Anybody in here? If you haven't, man, you are just awesome. You know what I mean? (laughs) I feel like my life has been a lot of series of awkward moments at times, you know what I mean? Junior high, high school, college, and and different things. And and all the time there's interesting situations that I find myself in that sometimes I don't want to be in. Uh, yesterday, I, I came up from Texarkana, Texas, about four and a half hours of me and my truck in total boredom, and I, I'm just telling you, luckily it's pretty driving this way, okay? But I was just bored, but I'm driving, and uh, I, was, I was eating on my sunflower seeds, and I have my cherry coat, because that's how we roll in Texarkana, and I was excited to be here to see my friends, to preach to you, but I was really excited about dinner, okay? How many people like to eat? Yeah. So Stephen's taking me out to dinner yesterday and we go to my wife's favorite place, a place I love called Chewies. Anybody in here? Come on. So we go to Chewies, and you know there's this long line because it's Saturday and we have this great idea, let's go sit outside on the patio, right? And um, so we're out there for maybe 30-45 minutes and uh, we realized it's, it's kind of chilly outside, and, and no one else is outside, but we're outside. And, and um, so she gave us our drinks, and we've been drinking them. We hadn't got our food yet. Pastor Stephen had this great idea. Let's get our stuff to go. And let's go eat somewhere else, because it's cold, you know? So we actually get our stuff to go. The waitress is super nice, and we take it. We actually come here to the house, and we're spreading out like our, our spread. We both got fajitas, amen? Yeah. We got them, and I'm so excited about this. But uh, we were missing one important ingredient. It's called tortillas. Tortillas. <laughs> They forgot our tortillas, so we're looking at each other, and, and, and I'll be honest, Pastor Stephen, he, he didn't have no patience for this. So he said, he said, we got to go back. And I'm like, we got to eat. We need to eat. And so we're like, all right, we're going to go back. And then we decide, uh, this was my decision, let's pack up our stuff back so if a table opens up, we'll just come back with it. I want you to follow me here. We sit down to order, then we take our food to go, now we're coming back with our food to try to sit back down i think in the history of chewies this has probably never happened so we 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 show back up and we walk in of course it's still crowded they don't have any seats for us and i'm carrying this big bag of fajitas and we have to say hey y'all didn't give us any tortillas and they kind of looked at us weird anyway like what are y'all what are y'all doing here you know why did you come back Didn't we just see you guys i was in a situation I didn't want to be in. I was ready to eat. You know what I'm saying? When, when you're ready to eat, you're ready to eat. So we end up getting our tortillas. They were amazing. We came back here. We grubbed. It was awesome. Okay. God prevailed. Victory happened. We overcame. God is good. Right. So anyways, this story that we're looking at, David is in a bad situation. He's in a lot worse situation than us not just getting our tortillas. All right. He comes home. He finds his wives, he finds his children, he finds his city burned to the ground. The kids are gone, the wives are gone, they have been taken. Can you imagine coming home in this situation being the situation that you're living in? You come home from work, your house is burned, your kids are gone, your wife is gone, everything is bad. This is a bad situation to be in. Not only that, but all these men who are your boys, you read about earlier that they are David's mighty men. They pick David over King Saul. They want to kill you. That's a bad day. You know what I mean? This is terrible. This is a bad situation, a situation that nobody wants to be in. But listen to me, a situation I think every single person that's in this room can relate to. Every person in this room has had something bad happen to them in their life. They've had pain, they've had tragedy, they've been hurt, they've been let down. We've had people that have hurt us. We've done things in our life that we've caused ourselves pain and heartache and all these things. Today I want to focus on one kind of broad topic of why did David get his stuff stolen? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it's a great verse. It says this, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, he also reaps. I think this is in direct correlation to the life of David. Even though this was terrible, the things that happened in the life of David that we're just reading, David has a part to play in it as well. I find out a lot of times in my life some of the bad things that happened to me, listen to me, some of my bad things that that happened to me are a direct consequence of me bringing those things on. Does that make sense? Now sometimes I blame them on the devil, you know what I mean? Like, devil, it's your fault I ran out of gas. No. It's your boy's fault that he didn't check the gas, you know? And a lot of times in our life with our marriage, with our work, sometimes things are affecting us and we're walking in the consequences of decisions that we've made. David in Ziklag, his stuff getting stolen, even though that is terrible, David has a part to play. I want us to look at our life and evaluate our life and focus on our life as we're talking about David. Um, Are there some things in my life that I've allowed the enemy to come in and to have place in my life and steal some things in my life? The purpose of, of us looking at this story is to help us. Listen, did you know that God wants to help you out today? God is not some mean taskmaster up in heaven looking at you, laughing at you, demanding of you. God is a heavenly Father who is holy, who is sovereign, but a God that loves us. A God that wants to help us. Listen, God wants you to walk in purity because it helps you. God wants you to walk in forgiveness because it helps you. God wants us to walk uh, free from sin because it helps us. God doesn't need us to do that to help Him. He is all those things. He's all holy. He's all sovereign. He's all good. He's all giving. He's all forgiving. He wants us to have these attributes because it helps us. Throughout the Bible, do you know God is looking for one type of person? Ultimately, God is looking for Himself. Throughout Scripture, Old to New Testament, God is looking for attributes of Himself. The only way we can look like Him is to spend time with Him, right? right? So that's kind of what we're looking at today. We're going to take an in-depth look at our life. Um, Maybe right now you're in a situation in life that you never thought you would be in. Maybe you've come on hard times. Maybe tragedy has happened in your life. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe a relationship hasn't worked out like you thought. Maybe a job hasn't worked out like you thought. Maybe you've had a past hurt or wound happen to you in your life and you're just still in the middle of this thing and it's still affecting your life. Here's the deal. I don't want anybody in this room to be in a place like David. Yeah. Right, right. And, I, and I'm not saying, you know, a place like David, you get the Amalekites to steal your stuff, right? But I don't want any person in here to lose a marriage because of some actions that you did or lose a family, or lose a kid. I don't want you to lose a job because of some of the actions that we did. I don't want some people in here who have been hurt by other people allow that pain and that tragedy to continue to affect them their whole life. Listen, I know a lot of people, good people, the enemy came in, circumstances happened, it was nothing to do with what they did or didn't do, but they've never overcame it. They've never given it to Jesus. They've never allowed that broken heart to be mended and healed, and they walk broken when God wants to restore. Yeah. God wants to restore some people in here this morning. Right. God wants to restore some dreams this morning. He wants to restore some peace this morning. Listen, if you look at the American culture, it's fractured. People are confused, and the enemy is doing a great job of tricking and distracting Christians, and we need to be aware of it. That's right. Listen, what our culture needs is Jesus, number one. Number two, what our culture needs is some Christians who can overcome some junk and issues in our own life so we can help them get to Jesus. Hey, you can do it because I did it. You can do it because Jesus helped me through it, right? So today as we move forward, we're going to look at um, three reasons David gets his stuff stolen in Ziklag and how we... Um, as Christians and followers, we won't fall into maybe some of the traps that he did. Listen, what I love about the Bible is God doesn't just show us a picture of people on their best day. He shows us the whole process. He shows us the bad day, the worst day, the great day, the mess ups. Listen, we live in a culture where we want to just show everybody our good side. Let me take a selfie. Let me take another selfie. Let let me take another one from this angle. You know, let me put this filter on it. Listen, real life is not like that. Real life is messy sometimes. Real life, you have to be vulnerable sometimes and say, God, I'm not perfect. I can't do this, but I know you can. And when we do that, when we're open, when we're vulnerable, we give God the permission to come in and touch us. So I'm asking you this morning to be open. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? So, looking at three reasons David gets his stuff stolen. Reason number one, I believe for a season of his life he's fighting for the wrong team. We have to understand a few things about David in the background of this place called Ziklag. We're familiar with David. David uh, was the son of Jesse. David killed Goliath before he was the king. David uh, was anointed to be the king of Israel. David uh, won many victories for Saul. He married one of King Saul's wives. Remember, King Saul was the first king of Israel. He was best friends with Saul's son. David was a, a warrior. He was a man of war. He was awesome. Okay, He was the man. And, and it's great to be awesome. How many people want to be awesome? Yeah. Like, I want to be awesome. David was awesome. People wrote songs about the brother, okay? Like songs. And, and, and that's amazing unless King Saul is a crazy psychopath who wants to kill you, right? Yeah, right, right. So he writes, you know, David, or Saul kills a thousand. David kills 10,000. We know kind of the stories about David. If you've read about the life of David, we realize Saul wants to kill him because he's jealous and because he's envious. For years of David's life, he's on the run from Saul. The same guy he killed Goliath for. The same guy who he married his daughter. The same guy he's best friends with Saul's sons. Saul could not deal with some envy and jealousy in his life, and it ended up destroying him. Here's a quick caveat. Are we jealous of other people? Are you envious of other people? That's the American culture. It's like we're looking everywhere at everybody else. They have a better job. They have a better spouse. They have a better car. It looks like they have more money in the bank. Their family is perfect, at least by the Instagram picture. They look amazing, you know? So many times we are looking around instead of looking inwardly and upwardly and say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. God, thank you for blessing me. God, thank you for giving me breath and life. Thank you for this and that. Listen, I want to encourage us to be people that are thankful for what God's done in our life. The quickest way for you to get the blessing and favor of God is to thank Jesus all the time. Thank you. God wants to bless those who are thankful, those who praise Him. So let's keep going. This is where our story takes a dive. David, he's been on the run, living in caves for years because Saul is crazy and wants to kill him. 1 Samuel chapter 27, it says, And David said in his heart, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Verse 2. So David arose, he went over, he and six hundred men who were with him, to Ashes, the son of Maoch, the king of Gath. Verse 3. David lived in Ashes at Gath, he and, his man, he and his men, every man with his household, David with his two wives. Again, Stephen's going to preach on that next week. Some girl I can't pronounce. And Abigail. Verse 5. And then they said to Ashes, if I found favor in your eyes, let a place be given to me in one of the country towns that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day Ashes gave him Ziklag. Follow me here. David has been anointed to be the king of Israel. David is a warrior. David killed Goliath, who was a Philistine. But David, as we just read, he's living in Philistine territory. I'm reading this passage and I'm like, what's going on? The Israelites and the Philistines are all the time at war with each other in the Old Testament. They were rivals. They disliked one another. This is like Cowboys and Redskins rivalry, okay? This is like Yankees, Red Sox, Arkansas and Texas, whatever. They don't like each other. But David is living in Philistine territory. Listen, most of the battles that the Israelites fought in the Old Testament had to do with the Philistines. Let's keep going. First uh, Samuel chapter 28, verse 1. So he's an Israelite living in Philistine territory. Not so bad, but look at this. It says, In those days the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Ashes said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. And David said to Ashes, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And he said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Stop here. So David isn't just living in this Philistine city for refuge. David has signed up to fight against Israel. David, the greatest king of Israel that we later know as we read, he actually signed up to fight against Israel. It's like, David, have you lost your mind? You're the quarterback for the Cowboys. Why are you going to go play for the Redskins? You know what I mean? Can we pray for Tony Romo just for a second? (laughs) Look, I think for for a moment that David forgot what team he was really on. Why does David get his stuff stolen? If you read the story, David and 600 men go to fight against Israel. While he's gone, people come in and steal his stuff. Listen to me today. We need to evaluate what team we're really on. David, no doubt, considered himself an Israelite. Anointed to be the next king of Israel. But his actions, at least to a degree in this story, aren't showing that. And my question for us this morning is this, what team are we really on? Seriously, I want you to look at your life. Are you fighting for the things of God or are we fighting against the things of God? We can call ourselves Christians and followers and disciples all day long, but are our actions actually dictating that we follow Christ? Not do we just believe in God, Demons believe in God, but do we follow, do we obey what God tells us to do? Listen, if we say one thing but do the other, we are fighting against the very one that we say we're for. Are we fighting temptation? Are we living for God? Are we blessing people? Are we extending grace towards people? David, you can say you're an Israelite, that you're on God's team, but you're fighting against Israel. Look, when we're not fighting temptation, you're fighting on the wrong team. When you won't seek God about your future, you're fighting on the wrong team. When God tells you to serve or to give or to go and you say no or give an excuse, you're fighting against the very one whose team you profess to be on. Look, David gets his stuff stolen because he's wearing the wrong jersey. He lives in Ziklag for over a year and a half. Listen, we know that Satan's plan is to always make the other team and the other jersey look way better. We live in a culture where we trade God things for temporary things that look good all the time. The enemy wants you to trade uh, lust for love all the time because it's easier. The enemy wants us to trade generosity for greed because it's easier. The enemy wants us to go down the wide road that leads to destruction because it's prettier and it's easier rather than the narrow road that leads to life. Listen, even though Satan's way sometimes looks alluring, it always leads to death. It always leads to getting your stuff stolen. God's way is the only way that leads to victory. Even if you are David, the anointed one of Israel, if you don't do things God's way, you're going to get stuff stolen, joy stolen, security stolen, your faith stolen. You know, and just so you know this, David actually with his 600 men, he goes to show up with the Philistines to fight against Israel, right before the battle takes place, the Philistine generals, they look at David, and they say, we're not actually going to let you fight because we're afraid that in the middle of the battle, you might turn against us. Here's a side point. The the world will always disappoint you in the end. It will always reject you. Think about it. Let's move on. Second reason David gets his stuff stolen is because I believe he allowed his past hurts and wounds to push him away from God. Think about it for a second. David, remember when he's anointed to be the king of Israel, the prophet Samuel comes to Jesse, David's dad. One of your sons is going to be anointed to be the king of Israel. Go get him. He gets every son but one. David. Remember, they go all the way down the line. The oil wouldn't flow on any of the other sons. Finally, they have to go get David. Imagine David's disappointment when he shows up and the belief that his dad didn't even believe in him. His dad didn't even think he could be the next person. Surely it's the other seven sons. Not only that, he didn't even think enough about his son to bring him to the coronation of one of his brothers getting anointed. Rejection. Think about Saul and his life. We talk a lot of bad about Saul, but Saul did some good things. He was the first king of Israel. David was rejected by Saul. I guarantee you there was a sense in David that he wanted Saul to love him. He wanted Saul to to teach him, to mentor him. He married Saul's daughter. He was best friends with Jonathan, his son. All Saul wants to do is kill him, manipulate him, take advantage of him. I guarantee you there was some rejection in David's life. I believe he allowed this rejection to push him to the point where he signs up for the wrong team and he ultimately puts himself in a position to get his stuff stolen. It's exactly what the enemy does today. How many times in our life have we been hurt by somebody we care about? Yeah. A mom, a dad, a parent, a coach, a coworker, a spouse. And a lot of times that hurt and that pain, we push away, we draw away from God. It happens all the time. Yeah. When you are hurt and rejected by people that you care about, especially someone you care about, there's one of three things that normally happens. Number one, sometimes people run to God. That's the best absolute thing that you can do when you are hurt. You run to the rock. You run to the shelter. You run to the one who cares for you. You run to the one who doesn't have a wishy-washy love that goes up and down. When you are hurt, you run to Jesus. When you are hurt, He restores. When you are hurt, He walks beside you. Jesus never said there wouldn't be storms. He said there's going to be, but I'll be with you every step of the way. The second thing that happens when people get hurt is they just check out. It's my belief that we are a generation of a lot of Christians that have been checked out. We've been hurt. We've been let down by a lot of times nothing that we brought upon ourselves. But either way, the pain, the rejection came and we zone out. We go to work. We live life. We come to church. But all a sense of the, the everlasting, the abundant life of God, not in our life. Because we've just checked out. We go through the motions, but we're not thriving. Jesus wants you to thrive. Jesus doesn't want you to just fall across the finish line on the last day of your life on the earth. He wants you to run. He wants you to sprint. He wants you to be restored. The last thing that people do when they're hurt is they run to the world. I've been hurt. I've been let down. My girlfriend broke up with me. I'm just going to go get another one. Job is not going good. I'm just going to drink. I'm just going to pop some pills. I'm just going to watch 18 hours of Netflix. I've done that before. Thank God they didn't come out with another season of Lost. I just said that. <laughs> but think about your life for a second. Has someone rejected you and it's caused you to do some things you wouldn't have normally done? Have you rebelled against God as your relationship with God, you know, gone away? Are you walking in depression right now? Has someone hurt you and you've just thrown this wall up with God? Friend, this morning God wants to restore. The Bible says throughout Scripture that He, come, he comes to set the captive free. He comes to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He comes to give us love and joy that nobody else can give. As close as your relationship is with your spouse or your mom or your dad, it can't compare to the love of Jesus. Did you know one of the names of of God literally is restore? He can restore you. He can fix you. He can bring that peace back. He can restore that marriage. I firmly believe that there's people in here today that you've been hurt. But this morning, God wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. I believe that David had been so hurt by things that had happened to him that he runs away. He runs to side up with the Philistines. Ultimately, he gets his stuff taken. The enemy's plan for you is to do the same thing. To get you hurt, to get you offended, to get you to run away from God, to get you to do things you never thought you would do. He wants to steal your stuff. He wants to destroy your life. That's his only game plan. And he'll do it with pretty things and alluring things, but it leads to death. Death. It's not fun, David, living in a cave, but it's better to live in a cave with God than to live in the Philistine country without God. Some of us in here, we can testify to that. When you are hurt, don't run away from Him. Run to Him. Some of you, your word today is you need to run to Him. Here's our final reason, and and the band can come up. final reason David gets his stuff stolen is I believe there is no watchman on the wall in Ziklag. David, out of frustration, out of pain, out of hurt, he runs away. He takes several thousand people with him. Here's a side point. Your actions affect other people. When you are at peace and you are walking in love and joy, when your relationship with God and your wife is good, people around that take notice, it influences them. When you're in depression, when your relationship with God is not good, it affects other people. David takes thousands of people with him. They have to suffer the consequences of David's bad decisions. David, you're a military man. You know how to fight. Why in the world would you leave your women and children without any soldiers to fortify them? And the answer is, we know this. When we are hurt sometimes, sometimes we don't think clearly, we do things out of hurt and out of frustration. Ephesians, or actually, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, talks about we fight the enemy with our prayers. Listen, have you been praying? Have you been seeking God? In the physical, David did not have soldiers on the wall, but in the spiritual, there was no prayer in Ziklag. Look, when we quit praying, when we quit having relationship with God in our life, the enemy comes and steals our stuff. When your your walk with God is not good, we are giving an open door for the enemy to come in. That's why it's so important that we spend time with God. That's why it's so important that we pray for our family, for our friends, for our co-workers. When we quit praying, the enemy comes in. And Isaiah talks about, you know, praying that there would be watchmen on the wall. I wanna encourage some people this morning be a watchman on the wall for your house, for this house. I believe that God is still looking for people that will pray. God is still looking for people that will say, you know what, I, I may have not much time with this or that, but I have time to pray. Listen, I've never, I've never, been upset with the time I've spent with God. I've been upset with time that I've spent watching Netflix. Never upset with the time I've spent with God. I want to ask you today, has anything been stolen from you? Second question is, how's your prayer life? Look, as we get ready to close and I'm about to pray, maybe you're in here and you've been hurt just like David. You've lost something. You feel depressed. Your peace is gone. Maybe you feel angry at God. Maybe your relationship with God is is not where you want it to be. Maybe your job is not where you want it to be. A relationship with the spouse isn't where you want it to be. Listen to me. Everything that has been taken away from you, God wants to restore. God is a redeemer. God is a healer. God is a fixer, right? And maybe you're in here today and you think, my story where it is right now, it's final. It's never going to get better. I want to tell you, it will get better. There's no period with God. There's a comma. And God's going to come in and change some people's circumstance. I want you to have faith. This story doesn't end in defeat or despair, but triumph. Look how the story ends. 1 Samuel 30, verse 7. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Amalek, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord. Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered pursue for you shall surely overtake you shall surely rescue so david set out he had 600 men who were with him they came to the brook besor where about 200 men they stayed behind david pursued and he and 400 men 200 left behind verse 16 and when he had taken them down behold they were spread above all the land eating and drinking and dancing because all the great spoil that had been taken to the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 men who were on camels. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything. David brought it all back. Even though David was upset, even though David might have thought his story was over, it wasn't over because God wasn't done with David and God's not done with us. Yeah. Listen, I want to prophesy over you today that some things that have been stolen, some things that have been forfeited, God is going to restore. God is going to heal some things. God is going to touch some things and your life's going to be better. That's right. You're going to be inspired. This church is a place that will equip you to do what God wants to do. This is a place of healing. Right before I prayed, there's three things that David did to get his stuff back. Number one, he strengthened himself in God. He worshiped. He prayed. Listen, if you've got some stuff stolen, you need to strengthen yourself in God. The second thing he did is he inquired of the Lord. He he had to talk to God. God, should I do this? Should I do this? Listen, some of us, you got questions. You need to ask God. He's going to direct your steps. He's a good father. He'll give you wisdom. Finally, what did David do? He left some people behind. He had to get his stuff back. Listen, there's some people in this room that maybe you have a mindset that's holding you back. You need to let that thing go. Some of you, maybe it's a a person, whatever. Listen, God wants to remove bad influences in your life, and He wants to put you around good people that are going to help you. Listen, I want us all just to stand on our feet this morning. If you don't hear anything else, hear this: God loves you. He cares for you. He wants to restore you. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at the house, follow us on social media at thehouse_nwa.